Thank you for listening to this sermon from Renaissance Church located in Montreal, Quebec. For more information about Renaissance Church, please visit our website, renaissancemtl.com. If you would like to know more about how you can partner up to see the gospel advance in Montreal, please send us an email at renaissance.mtl at gmail.com. His kingdom is forever. And not only that, he reaches down to us. The broken, in many ways, the undeserving. And he says, come to me and I will give you rest. And so this morning, as you come into this church, as we worship, as we hear from God's word, just let that be our posture to say, God, I need you today. I come to you to find life. I come to you to find strength. Let's pray, and then we're going to get into God's word. God, we thank you for this time to gather and to worship and to lift up the name of Jesus that is above every other name, and we joyfully gather as a church to give you honor and glory, for you are worthy. This morning, Jesus, would you draw our hearts close? Would you let us fix our eyes on you and find our joy and our life in you. We thank you that you are good and faithful. We can build our lives upon you. We thank you for your grace. And Jesus, we commit this time to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, again, good morning, and as I've said, welcome. Um, if you don't know me, my name is James, and I used to work here. <laughs> like two weeks ago. <laughs> Uh, no, so um, many of you know me, some of you may not, and so um, my, my wife Abby is here, we have four kids. Um, we recently, as in like two weeks ago, moved to North Carolina. Um, six years ago, the Lord moved us here, and we have been so incredibly grateful to be a part of Renaissance and a part of seeing this church come to life and joining with so many people, and it's been such a joy, and it has been so sad to leave, and yet we are so thankful for God's guidance, God's grace, God's faithfulness all along the way. And so, uh, but grateful to be back today um, to uh, to preach um, and to kind of uh, help uh, bring in uh, a new era of Renaissance. And so, we'll get to that here in just a moment. Um, as I begin this morning, so about eight years ago, I made the choice, I guess. I wasn't forced into it, but I made the decision to run a 50-kilometer trail race. And so some of you may have heard this story before. Maybe you haven't. I don't know. I, I willfully made this decision, right? And I trained for it, all this stuff. And it was in this place in the States that was pretty mountainous. And so it's like up and down and on trails. And it was pretty, pretty rugged. Um, I finished the race, but I decided I would never do that again. Um, and in fact, during the race, you know, I'm going, I'm training. And I ended up making a wrong turn. And I, it was like about two and a half kilometers into that wrong turn that I figured out I had made a wrong turn. So I turned around and went back. So I really ran 55K. They didn't give me a special medal or anything, but in my mind, I was special, right? Um, but it, you know, I got lost and I went the wrong way. And really, it's such a picture of straying from the path. The illustration I was going to use was, you know, like when some parents have leashes on their kids, but um, Francois and Melody have that already in, oh, you have like a visual of that illustration, right? We easily stray 
from the path. We easily go our own way. It is so easy to wander, to lose sight of the main thing, and to make other things more important to get off on our own things. This morning, um, I have the, the privilege, so, you know, most of you, um, I'm, I'm really, I get to preach to, um, to David and Graham, where's Graham, there he is, and Dylan. Like, I get to, like, really, like, zone in and preach, and I'll explain that in a minute, but everybody else gets to be involved as well. So, Graham, Dylan, David, as pastors and elders of this church, it is so easy to stray from God's word, to stray from the gospel, to say what people want to hear to be more concerned with being liked than being a pastor. It's easy to do. Church, it is easy to stray, to get caught up in things that are not the gospel, to get distracted in all kinds of things and issues and all of that. And so this morning, I want to address the pastors and you as a church as we look at the role of pastor in the church. So my main idea this morning is this. A pastor is called to proclaim the gospel faithfully. So we're taking a break from the Galatians series this morning as we officially install Graham as the pastor of this church and as we install David as an elder and as Dylan continues in his role and takes on other roles. I don't know why churches use the word install like their cabinets or a dishwasher. I don't really know, but right? It's this, it, it carries this idea of um, that they're being appointed to a new role, a new position with a high calling. So if you're around churches and see this happen, it's called pastoral installation, you know, like a dishwasher installation or something. I don't know. But that's, that's what this is about this morning. In the New Testament, uses the words pastor and elder synonymously, and both carry the meaning of a shepherd, an overseer for the church. And so pastors and elders are to spiritually guide and guard the church. The, the image of a shepherd guiding and guarding sheep is exactly what it's supposed to be, to guide and guard and shepherd. So I'm excited to bring God's word this morning with really, truly a specific message for Graham, Dylan, and David as they each step into new roles here at Renaissance. Graham is the lead pastor. David, as what's called a lay elder, means that he has his own life. He does his own things, and yet uh, he's not in, employed by the church. He's not full-time, so he's a lay elder, meaning that he does it in his sacrificial spare time. So we're thankful for that. Um, and then, so, yeah, uh, Graham... This is me talking to you now. This is, uh, to be here today to preach is an honor for me. Um, you've been here at Renaissance serving faithfully for over seven years, um, and I've had the joy of serving with you during that time. Um, and I'm excited for what the Lord's doing in your life and in your family's life. Um, and I, I, God is at work in this, and I, I truly believe that. And the Lord has been shaping and preparing you for this role. Dylan, I have loved serving with you these last three and a half years or three plus years keep going. God is using you. God is shaping you. God is using you in this church to see people love and follow Jesus. Keep going in that. David, it has been a joy to get to know you and Elise this past year. Um, you've been an encouragement to Abby and I and to this church, and I'm so thankful that the Lord has brought you here and that you'll be serving as an elder here at Renaissance. So um, for the rest of you, good morning again. Good to see you. 
Don't worry, there are things that apply to you as well this morning. But uh, that's kind of the context of what we're doing. Like this is a, um, in, in many ways, this is a really big day to get to like officially say, hey, Graham is installed as the pastor. And we're thankful for that. So um, if you've got a Bible, you can go to 2 Timothy chapter 4. Uh, I'm going to read here in a moment. Um, I, as I was preparing, um, one commentary that I read kind of gave this synopsis of our scripture. It says, Paul offers encouragement to Timothy. He urges him to be prepared to teach sound doctrine at all times since false teaching continues to deceive people in Ephesus. So we're going to read this, but that's kind of the setting. Timothy is in Ephesus. Paul has sent him there to lead the church, and there's issues of false teaching. And so Paul is writing the letters of First and Second Timothy to Timothy to help him in his new role. Right? So that's where we're at today. So let's read 2 Timothy chapter 4. We're going to read verses 1 through 5. Paul writes, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Let's pray again. God, would you speak to us through your word this morning? Spirit of God, we know that you are active, that you are speaking, that you are present. Would you help us to listen and hear what you are speaking? And God, again, we commit this time to you. All right, so as I have said, Paul wrote 2 Timothy to Timothy. 2 Timothy to him, right? Um, and uh, Paul wrote this letter from prison in Rome as he awaited his execution. Um, and fun fact, um, Abby and I were able to visit this prison in Rome about a month ago. We got to go and see it. And so um, it was kind of cool as I was preparing this because I actually had forgotten that like that short span of time. Like, oh yeah, I went to the prison where Paul wrote this letter, which is kind of crazy. It literally is like a hole in the ground. But, I mean, really, it's kind of this like hole in the ground. And so Paul, even from a hole in the ground, Paul writes these words of challenge, of encouragement to Timothy. And I love the forward motion of what Paul is saying here, right? Paul's older. He's writing to Timothy who's younger, and he's saying, hey, keep going. And if you read down a little bit farther, it's where Paul says, he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And as he's talking, writing to Timothy, he's saying, keep going. Keep moving forward. I do not see myself as Paul and Graham as Timothy. Let me get that out of the way this morning. That's not how I see this. Um, but I'm thankful for the words that Paul gives us and the model he gives us here of writing to Timothy. All right, so we're going to walk through this passage together. In verse 1, Paul starts out, he says, I charge you in the presence of God. This is strong language. He says, I am charging you. I'm urging you. I'm imploring you. I'm calling you. I'm telling you what to do. He says, in the presence of God. Just stop there for a moment. Paul's communicating the, communicating the seriousness of this. This isn't like, hey, Timothy, here's what I want you to do. He's like, listen, you are in the presence of God. This is between you and heaven. 
This is a big deal. Pastoral ministry is a high calling. In the book of James, chapter 3, verse 1, James writes, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. And the point of that is communicating pastoral ministry is serious. It's a high calling. Pastors aren't better than other people, but God has called them for a very specific purpose. And it's a high and serious calling to bring God's word to people, to bring God's word to the church. And he says again, he says, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, who is coming again, but his appearing in his kingdom. What Paul is saying here is that pastors should preach with the second coming in view. Meaning, this world is not all that there is. It's not all that matters. And Paul is again communicating the seriousness of the calling. That there is a judgment coming where our works will be examined. And so he's telling Timothy, don't take this lightly. This is between you and God. Will you faithfully fulfill the role that God is calling you to do? Graham, Dylan, David, will you faithfully fulfill the role that God is calling you to here? I love how Paul brings in this idea of like, hey, Christ Jesus, who's to judge the living and the dead, and his, appear, his kingdom that's going to appear, he's giving us this picture of eternity. He's saying what you do now, how you preach, how you fulfill your role matters in eternity. One author wrote, we must live and preach in light of this holy accountability. We stand before God. When God's word is preached, we stand before God. A pastor named Mark Dever wrote, If a pastor wants the gospel to continue spreading tomorrow, preaching must be today's priority. And Paul is telling Timothy, preach the word, which we're going to get to here in a moment. So Jesus is coming again, so we must faithfully proclaim the good news. In verse 2, Paul is giving very clear instructions to Timothy on how to lead and pastor the church in Ephesus, right? He says, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort, right? Ephesus was a large, diverse city full of false worship, of sensuality, of new ideas, and First Timothy shows us how Paul sent Timothy to Ephesus to lead that church and to guard it from false teaching. And so as you can see, verse 2 is very practical, so we're going to get to that in a bit. So we're going to move on to verses 3 and 4. In verses 3 and 4, Paul shifts his direction. He talks about the church. What's interesting is that Paul is not addressing the false teachers here. They had an issue with that, but it's not who he's talking to. He's talking to the church who was desiring false teachers and who had the potential to desire to hear false teaching, to hear things that just made them feel good. Right? He's not saying, he's, he's saying not only will there be false teachers out there, there will be those in the church who prefer false teaching over the word of God. Verse 3 says that they will not endure sound teaching or healthy teaching. They will get tired of it, waiting for something more, maybe something less, like Ooh, this is too much, or something new or something different. This is the warning that Paul is giving to the church. He's saying, hey, listen, this is going to happen over time. There's going to be people that don't want to hear this. They don't want to hear the truth of God's word. They want to hear whatever makes them feel better. It says they will have itching ears, which I'm assuming is a first century expression for just they want to hear what makes them feel good, right? Um, they will have itching ears, wanting to hear something new, wanting teachers to tell them what they want to hear. And again, this was written in the first century, right? They, they, it's amazing how they had no idea how easy this would be for us. We can get anything we want 
Instagram or YouTube or whatever and listen to whatever we want when we want and we can block what we don't want. We can literally curate our lives to hear only what we want to hear. And Paul is, Paul's warning here is against us trying to find people who will just tell us what we want to hear. And then verse 4, Paul warns Timothy. He says, some will turn away. Some will wander off into myths. They will get sucked into the system of the world. They will get caught up in whatever the world finds important or popular at the moment. This is a sad thing. And the reality is I've been here at Renaissance for a long time. And many of you have as well. There have been people that have been here. And now they've wandered off into other things. And they're not following Jesus. It's reality. And it's, it's sad. It's heartbreaking as a pastor to see that. And that's what Paul is writing to say. People, there, some will wander off. They will go their own way, do their own things. In verse 5, Paul comes back to Timothy. He says, as for you, he's like, listen, this is going to happen at times in the church. As for you, no matter what everyone else is doing, here is what I want you to do. It's what the instruction he's giving to Timothy. And this leads us to our application, which hopefully is the uh, majority part of our sermon this morning. All right, you awake? You with me? All right, so let's make this practical this morning. A pastor is called to proclaim the gospel faithfully. And as I looked at this, Paul basically wrote this sermon for me, right? Thanks, Paul. Appreciate it, All right? The application points are right here in front of us. What is a pastor to do? How should they go about doing what God has called them to do? Now, don't get overwhelmed, but our first point is seven instructions for pastors and elders. But they'll be quick, I promise, I think. Right? Uh, I'm not going to make any promises. But seven instructions for pastors and elders that we see in our scripture this morning. Um, the first one is, this one's interactive. Graham, I need you to come up here. Um, the first one, first instruction that Paul gives is preach the word. And I love how clearly and plainly it says it. So Graham is going to preach. No, I'm just joking. He's not ready to preach this morning. My next point is, uh, my ne yeah, yeah, hang on. My next point is be ready in season and out of season. So you get, no. Uh, no, I have something for you. I have a gift for you. Um, I want to give you this. It's a, it's a new Bible. It's a really nice Bible. I'm kind of uh, jealous of this Bible in a holy way. Um, um, but I want to give that to you. Um, because it's nice and you can have a new Bible, but also because of <laughs> what, if, there's nothing wrong with your old Bible, I don't know, <laughs> because of what it, it communicates. This is your role. Preach the word. You can sit down, thanks. So you can have that. <laughs> it's real leather. Um, so the first instruction, preach the word, and it's very simple and it's very clear and there is no mistake that this is first. If you go back just a few verses to chapter 3, it's where Paul writes and he says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And as Paul goes into chapter 4 here, there's no mistake that God's word is at the top. This word came not from people, not from men, but from God. And so that is what we are to preach. The word of God given to us, the Bible, scripture, given to us by God that we preach and proclaim and communicate. 
Again, Pastor Mark Dever wrote, Paul tells Timothy to preach the word, to preach, proclaim, herald. Don't hide it under a basket. Don't be scared or shy about it. Don't deny or ignore it. Preach it. And what must Timothy preach? The word. He has no license to preach anything else. And that is what Paul is communicating. He doesn't say, Timothy, go share your ideas and your opinions. He says, preach the word. God's word. Martin Luther, one of the reformers, he said concerning the Reformation, he said, I simply taught, preached, wrote God's word. Otherwise, I did nothing. I did nothing. The word did it all. I did nothing. I left it to the word. But it brings Satan distress when we only spread the word and let it alone do the work. Graham, Dylan, David, preach the word faithfully and believe that it will do the work. Sunday after Sunday, to communicate, this is what God says. This is what he has spoken. And here's what it means in our lives. Here's how we can follow Jesus. When Paul says preach the word here, it doesn't just mean preach sermons all the time. He is saying in all you do, in all your interactions, be about the business of proclaiming the gospel, proclaiming the truths about God's word. Sometimes people here would ask me, oh, you're a pastor, Okay, so you have church on Sunday. What do you do the rest of the week? I kind of got to the point where I'd say, I don't do anything as a joke, right? Um, Right? Pastors don't just preach sermons, right? And so when Paul tells Timothy, preach the word, he doesn't mean, okay, just be ready, preach sermons. No, communicate the God's, God's word, the gospel, in all that we do, in all of our interactions. Pastors, that is the calling. Preach the word. Stay faithful to it, true to it. Preach the popular parts and the not-so-popular parts, right? Preach the easy parts and the hard parts. Let it transform your own life as you preach and proclaim it. Preach the word. Number two, instruction number two, be ready in season and out of season. Whether it's convenient or not, you're always on duty, always pastoring, ready to proclaim the gospel. A few years ago, multiple years ago, um, we were at the, uh, I think it was the, one of the festivals in Little Burgundy. I don't know which one it was. I don't know if it was uh, Fete St. Jean or Little Burgundy Festival. But um, up to that point, every year they had a guy there named Mario. Um, and he, had, he was the guy that was in charge of uh, cooking the lamb. Because I always have like lamb on like the roasting thing, right? And he would come and set it all up. And he gave him a really good deal. Well, sadly, one year he, before the festival, he passed away. Um, I don't know why. I don't know how. But uh, Michael, the guy that runs the festivals, he was, he was sad about this. He's like, oh. He was sad, but he was also sad because now he had to hire someone more expensive. But he's like, oh, Mario passed away. So we get to the festival. We're there. And uh, he, he comes to me. He says, he actually was on the stage. He says, James, could you come up here? Yeah, I go up. Um, would you say a few words about Mario? <laughs> I didn't know Mario. <laughs> but I had, to, I had to sit there and think. I'm like, okay, well, um, I, I need to say something here, <laughs> right? And so I, in, in just a very short moment, I thought, okay, God, help me, because I want this to not just be pointless. Like, I'm, I'm standing in front of the whole community here, and so I, I don't remember what I said, but I said something along the lines of, Mario was a great example of serving the community, and we are thankful for how God has served us through sending Jesus. And so, like, you know, that, that's not about me, but in that moment, I was able to say something I think that mattered more than just, like, Long live Mario. I don't know what, I don't know. But the point was, like, I, it, it was an example and a reminder of, like, one of those times when someone's just like, here, say something. 
right? Say something. You got to be ready in season and out of season. Now, again, it doesn't just mean like always be ready with a sermon. It's good to have a sermon ready to preach, right? But it means that at any moment, in any conversation, be ready to point people to Jesus, to give counsel from God's word, to encourage with scripture. As a pastor, it is totally normal, and we should bring God's word into almost every conversation when, it, when the doors are open for that, to encourage, to counsel, to advise, all of those things that God's word is flowing out of us, that we are ready in season and out of season, when it's easy, when it's not, when it's convenient, when it's not. So be ready in season and out of season. Number three, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. This is a longer title, right? Um, reprove and rebuke are kind of synonyms, right? But they're slightly different. Reprove means to scold or correct, usually gently or with kindly intent, right? If you picture a parent with their kids, hey, we don't eat crowns. No, don't eat the crowns, right? They're reproving them. No, no, we don't do that. But if the kid sits there and stares at you and keeps eating crowns, it changes to a rebuke, to criticize sharply, to reprimand. Hey, we don't eat crowns. Like, they're not good for you, right? And so there's a slight difference in these two things, reprove and rebuke. And exhort means to give warnings or advice, to make urgent appeals. And so what Paul is telling Timothy, he's saying, here's how you do this. You preach the word. You reprove, rebuke, and exhort. And if you remember from what we just read in, in chapter 3, he says all Scripture is God-breathed and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, and for correction and training in righteousness. Those are connected, right? Paul, Paul isn't telling Timothy just like, hey, just get on to people because when they do stuff wrong, just get on to them. No, he's saying as God, when they are out of line with God's word, it's God's word that does the correcting, the reproving, the rebuking, all of these things and the exhorting. As pastors, we have this role. And then he says, with complete patience. Often this is the hard part. To borrow an expression, like often we want to put people in a microwave, but God has them in a crock pot, right? We think that life should happen faster, that spiritual growth, growth should often happen faster, and yet God is working in people's lives and his timing. And so Paul tells Timothy, be patient. Be patient as God is working in people's lives. As you do all of these things, don't just throw up your hands and say, oh, this is pointless. No, be patient. Keep going. Do it with grace. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 14. Paul is writing a similar thing here. He says, we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. That's such a good reminder. We all need that. We all need patience. We all need people to be patient with us. But in the pastoral role, as we long to see people growing and deepening in their faith, we entrust that to God and we wait patiently and let God do his work. And he says, with complete patience and teaching, teaching and demonstrating the truths of the faith, right? It's discipleship. As Jesus said, teaching them to obey all that he has commanded. We are teaching people how to follow Jesus. And none of these things are easy. But pastors, it is your calling to point people to Jesus when they want other things. To help people see the destructive nature of their sin when they don't want to see it. To have the hard conversations, to speak the truth in love, to guide people to lay down their own agendas in order to surrender all to Jesus. It's a hard thing. And there's going to be some instruction for the church as well concerning this here in a moment. 
but every pastor has to have hard conversations. And the reality is lots of times, lots of pastors have done it in a really bad way and they've just been a jerk to people. That's not what Paul's telling Timothy. He's telling Timothy, as we go to people and love, desiring to see them follow Jesus, we correct, we guide. When they're doing things that are harmful to themselves, we rebuke. All of these things are built on, we want to see people love and follow Jesus. Number four, and really these last four are kind of for all of us, but they're for the pastors as well, right? Number four, always be sober-minded. This comes from verse five. Always, don't let your guard down. To be sober-minded, we've taught about this in in various ways in the past, but it means to be serious, self-controlled, not living as if drunk, right? If you're drunk, you're not really all there. Sober-minded is your focus. You're saying, hey, this is what matters. I'm keeping my attention on Jesus. To be sober-minded is to understand the seriousness of our calling, to not get caught up in stuff that distracts, to keep our minds set on the things above and not on earthly things. Pastors, don't let your guard down. Church, don't let your guard down. As you seek to follow Jesus, there's a sober-mindedness, a seriousness. Hey, this matters more than anything else in my life, following Jesus. Point number five, endure suffering. This one's fun, right? (laughs) Because it assumes that there will be suffering. For Timothy in the Ephesian church, there was persecution at any moment. There was issues. There were all these things happening. The reality is the role of pastor or elder is hard. That's not complaining. It just is at times, right? There will be suffering. There will be discouragement. There will be haters. And when we faithfully proclaim the truths of God's word to a culture that sometimes doesn't want to hear it, there is a real threat persecution, of being ostracized, of being ignored, all of these things. And Paul doesn't get into the details here. He just says, endure. Suffering is coming. Endure. Keep going when you're tired. Keep going when it is hard. In John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus said basically the same thing. He said, in the world, in this world, you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. As a Christian and as a pastor, suffering should not be a surprise to any of us. We will suffer. We will endure all kinds of things. Um, on the plane yesterday, on the, on the way here, I watched a movie called 13 Lives. Anybody seen it? This is not in my notes. This is a dangerous illustration I'm about to make, right? Um, so I'll try not to ruin it, but it's based on a true story. It's about the, the kids that got trapped in a cave in Thailand a few years ago. It's, if you, I'm a little bit claustrophobic, and I was just like, ah, I almost couldn't handle it, but it's a very good movie. But what stood out to me, and I'll try not, again, I'll try not to ruin the movie. Like, they're trapped in a cave. That kind of gives you the context, right? The rescue, the guys that rescued him were just these volunteer guys. They were British guys that loved to dive in caves and had done this before. But the picture of endurance, the picture of enduring through suffering, the picture of keep going. I mean, these kids were two and a half kilometers deep into a cave that was underwater, right? So the endurance, as I'm watching this, it was such a picture of keep going, endure. Keep going when it's hard because it matters. Endure suffering. Number six, Paul says, do the work of an evangelist. This kind of speaks for itself. Paul is telling Timothy, don't get caught up in just doing church stuff. Remember to do the work of an evangelist, a proclaimer. Be about the business of sharing the good news of Jesus with your neighbors, your friends, and family. The reality is we in the church, we naturally drift away from this, and we become internal 
over time. And Paul knew that, and Paul says, Timothy, in all of this work you're doing, do the work of an evangelist. Faithfully proclaim the gospel. And Paul brings us to our attention here. Number seven, he says, fulfill your ministry. Stay faithful. Do what God has called you to do for as long as he calls you to do it. Be all in. Starting things is pretty easy in some, some ways. Taking on a new role is pretty easy, but finishing well can be difficult. It's day in and day out obedience, depending on the Lord. So don't just start. Fulfill what God is calling you to do. Fulfill your ministry. A pastor is called to proclaim the gospel faithfully. Now, four instructions for the church. All right? Good? With me? Number one, endure sound teaching. Right? Paul tells them, he says, there will come a time when people will not endure sound teaching. So my encouragement to you, Renaissance, is to endure sound teaching. Be the kind of church that craves it, right? Don't not endure sound teaching. It's a double negative, but you know what I mean. Be the kind of church that says we want to hear what God's word says so we can follow and love Jesus. Crave sound teaching, the teaching of God's word, week in and week out. My encouragement to you is eagerly desire to hear the word of God preached and taught. And on your own, study it. And in discipleship groups, study it. And in each other's homes and all of these things, pursue sound doctrine. There's a warning here to the church. Don't be what Paul is warning against. Don't be people in a church that says, hey, this is interesting. I'm going to wander off over here. Oh, oh, let's get caught up in this. Oh, no. Stay faithful and true to what God is proclaiming in his word. Second point. Do not turn away from the truth. Paul, again, he he warns. He says some people will turn away and they'll wander off. Desire what Scripture says, even if it goes against the grain of our culture and even our own sinfulness. Don't get distracted with the stuff that doesn't matter. Rather, stay true to the gospel, not wandering off into myths, these interesting, entertaining things that have no real meaning for real life. You know, it is so easy to do, and there's probably a danger of when we're wandering off, we don't realize it. But it's so easy to do, to get caught up in this or that. But as a church, long for and crave what is true, to walk faithfully, to follow Jesus. Point number three, entrust yourselves to trustworthy pastors. As Paul tells the pastors here, he tells Timothy, preach the word, be ready, in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort, with complete patience and teaching. Well, that's a two-sided relationship. Verse 2 tells us what a pastor should do. But as the church, you must entrust yourselves to trustworthy pastors. And when these men are humbly seeking the Lord, and they are desiring your spiritual growth, and they are, because I know them and I know their hearts, then listen to them and trust them. Of course they are imperfect, but humble yourselves and listen when you are warned, when you are corrected, even disciplined, because the heart of a trustworthy pastor is for restoration and growth and peace. And if there ever comes a time when there's a pastor, or if you're ever in a situation where there's a pastor who is not trustworthy, 
Well, it's a different story, right? This does not mean do whatever you're told no matter what. That's not what Paul is writing here to Timothy or to the church. He's saying with patience, as you love people, as you correct. So church, when those times come, when someone says, hey, this seems off in your life, what's going on here? Humble yourself and listen and say, help me, teach me. Entrust yourselves to trustworthy pastors. Number four for the church. This is not specifically in this scripture, but I added it. (laughs) I didn't add it to scripture. Just to be clear, I added it to my notes, right? Um, Number four, support your pastors. And that could mean a lot of things. Definitely means pray for them. Definitely means encourage them. Come alongside, say, hey, I want to use my gifts, so how can I serve? All of these things are encouraging, supporting, coming alongside Graham and Dylan and David as they seek to shepherd the church. Pray for them. Encourage them. Right? They need someone to, to, to stop by and say, hey, how are you doing? They need someone to pray for them and with them. They need all of these things. So support your pastors. A pastor is called to proclaim the gospel faithfully. As we think about this idea, Paul doesn't really use this word here, but this idea of being qualified. He's communicating to Timothy something about being qualified. And the reality is, is that none of us are qualified. Graham, Dylan, David, myself, any other pastor, we are not qualified by anything that we have done. We are qualified because of Jesus. None of us are qualified apart from the work of Jesus. Isaiah 53, 6 says, we all wander. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. There's a song that we love to sing that says we are prone to wander. That is our reality as humans and even as pastors. If we build our lives upon ourselves, we will wander. We will get off into all kinds of things. And the truth of the gospel is that fact that we are broken, we are sinful. All of us, when we fully realize the depth and the weight of our sin, it humbles us. It brings us to our knees where we say nothing else we can say but God have mercy on me. That matters for every single one of us and for every pastor to always live in the way of understanding. There's this tension of understanding that I am broken and sinful, but Jesus, through his death on the cross and his righteousness, has made me clean. And I am pure and holy and called and qualified because of Jesus, not because of me. Jesus gave his life. He humbled himself. He lived a sinless and perfect life. Every single one of us are born with a sinful nature, separated from God. And the good news is that we do not have to earn our way to God. There is nothing we can do to be good enough. We can't go to church enough, read the Bible enough, be nice enough, give enough. None of those things will earn us favor with God. We deserve God's judgment. We deserve God's wrath because of our sin. And yet, God and his love for us, while we were still sinners, is what Romans 5 says, while we were still sinners, sent Jesus. Jesus came as the sinless son of God. He lived a sinless and perfect life. We were unable to do that, but Jesus did. And he sacrificially gave his life on the cross to pay for our sin. And anyone who humbles themselves and says, I put my trust in Jesus, 
because I got nothing on my own to stand on. But I put my, my faith and my trust in Jesus, and I turn away from trying to run my own life. I turn away from my sin. I repent of my sin, and I put my faith in Jesus. The Bible says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Jesus makes us new. It is through Jesus that any person is qualified to stand before God. It is through Jesus that any pastor is qualified to stand and preach and proclaim God's word. So Paul is telling Timothy here, don't get your eyes off of Jesus. Keep your life centered on him. Find your joy in him. Let his word fuel your ministry. Because otherwise, we will be working for ourselves building our own little kingdoms rather than his. A pastor is called to faithfully, to proclaim the gospel faithfully. So I'll kind of close with this. Graham, David, Dylan, keep going. Proclaim the gospel faithfully. When it's easy, when it's hard, God is faithful. Renaissance, keep going. Keep praying Keep loving people, serving people, sharing the gospel. Keep longing for it to be in Montreal as it is in heaven. Keep seeking to be a healthy, thriving church centered on Jesus. Keep being generous. Keep the mission of God in front of you, and God will be faithful. What I want to do this morning as we close this time... um, If you're here this morning and you have questions about what it means to follow Jesus or how you can be a part of serving in this church or spiritual questions of any kind, then one of the pastors here, Graham or Dylan or David or any others, would love to talk with you. Ask questions. They'll take you for coffee or, I don't know, they'll cook you dinner or something. But ask questions. The door is open for that. Thank you for listening to the sermon from Renaissance Church. If you have any questions about the sermon or would like to know more, please feel free to contact us by email at renaissance.mtl@gmail.com or reach out to us on social media. It's our passion to love Jesus, love each other, and love our world.